0: Continuing in a series we started last week called God Never Said That. Now, we're diving into this series and we're talking through this kind of stuff because the things that we believe that God said have a tendency to affect the way that we live our lives, right? If we believe something is written in the Bible, we find a way, even if it's uncomfortable for us, to submit to what we believe is written there. And so, there are some very toxic things that I think we believe the Bible says that it actually doesn't say. And so, Last week, we looked at one of those cliche things that we all have a tendency to believe in, that's God wants us to be happy. That's what we talked about last week. And there's nothing that can be further from the truth. Now, it's not that God doesn't delight in our happiness, it's just that his main concern, his priority for us, is not our happiness. And so we, we talked about that last week, and this week, we, or next week, we're going to be looking at uh, it doesn't matter, the idea that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody, right? God never said that, and that's a very dangerous idea, a dangerous thing to believe. And then the last week, uh, the, we're, we're going to look at this, this very popular idea, and I think the most dangerous one, of the, the, uh, that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, God never said that. Now, as a pastor and as an individual, I have a tendency, I have a desire, actually, to be rather upbeat and to be happy. And so I feel like when we do a message like this, well, God never said that, and I'm kind of obliterating our belief systems here that we've clung to for so many years. I kind of feel like it's a little negative, like, right? So last week, I just started off, God doesn't want you happy. I thought that was like kind of a downer message, like, way to go, Pastor Aaron. I feel so encouraged. So I'm going to start off on a positive note today, Okay. Here's here's what I believe. I believe that all of us are at some point uh, in in this station of life, we are either getting ready to go into a difficult time in our life, are currently involved in a difficult situation, or are just exiting a difficult situation. You said, Aaron, I thought you wanted to be positive. I am. I am positive that we are all going to either get into a difficult situation you are either in the middle of or going to be coming out of. I think that's our station in life, all of us are experiencing that. We're experiencing things that overwhelm us, things that stress us out and stretch us to our limits. And we're, we're probably in a state where we say, I can't handle this anymore. Like, this is just too much for me. And, and it's not always bad things that overwhelm us, right? Sometimes it's just getting your kids to all the activities that they have to do. Or maybe it's volunteering at a school. Or maybe it's, it's just going to a friend's party and the preparation for that. Or maybe you're planning a wedding or having a baby or starting a new job. These are all really great things, but all at the same time, they're all very stressful. They're all very, very stressful. And they can overwhelm you and make you feel like, I can't handle this right now. On a level... Of one to even, I can't. Like, you know, that's, I'm just, like, overwhelmed by these things. Others of you, it may not be events. It may actually just be stages of life that you're in. Like, if you have a kid that is currently in diapers, that is a challenging time in your life. But maybe it's, it's you have a parent who is aging, and the person that you've loved and respected your entire life is crumbling away, and you're watching that happen before your eyes. That is a difficult situation to be in. It's very overwhelming because you feel powerless. You don't know what to do. Others of you, it may be a medical concern that you're facing. You're not sure what to do. The doctors aren't sure what to do. We're going to try this. We're going to go here. We're going to do all these things, and we're just not really sure, and you're overwhelmed by the decisions that you have to make. Others of you, you've probably lost a family member or or a friend recently. Or maybe it's, it's that you are going through marital challenges. There are some struggles in your marriage right now. You're not sure how to fix them. Maybe you've said some things or made some mistakes or things have happened that have Challenge your relationship. Or maybe it's just work stress, like the boss is breathing down your neck. Got to get the project completed. Got to get it done. We've got deadlines. Then you just feel overwhelmed by it. Others of you are going through depression. Maybe you deal with headaches on a regular basis. Maybe, maybe even it, it's something that, that is chronic, something like arthritis, where you feel alone or you're afraid. Whatever it is, it's got you overwhelmed. And you feel like you're to a place where I can't handle it. You're hurting beyond what you can bear. And it's always when you get into these stations of life where you're just like, I can't take one more thing going wrong in my life. I can't take one more thing to stress me out, right? That along comes a Christian. And they step into your life and they mean really, really well, but they offer you ease. You know, they offer you advice. And they say things like, remember, when God closes a door, he always opens a window, What does that even mean? Like, being honest with you, if you're on the 12th floor, opening the window does not help me at all. You know what I'm saying? Opening a window helps if there is a gas situation. That's all I'm talking about, right? What does it even mean? Or they say, well, God helps those who help themselves. Well, God never said that. That's not true. None of those things are true. The biggest one that they put on you, though, that that they try to say to you is that God won't give you more than you can handle. And that's what we're going to look at today because God never said that. He never said that he wouldn't give you more than he could handle. In fact, the truth is quite opposite of that. So where does this belief come from? Where does this misunderstanding stem from? Well, I think oftentimes well-meaning Christians who are reading their Bibles, they take a verse that they come across and they take it out of context. Do you know what that means? Take it away from who the letter was written to, what the purpose and intent of that phrase was. And they said, well, that sounds really nice. I'm going to take it out of context, and I'm going to put it into my context and make it mean what I want to. Like that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ, right? Do you know what that verse was writing, what Paul was writing about? He was writing that about suffering and loss and pain. He's like, I can bear up underneath all these things. I can do all things through Christ. And yet we slap them on our faces and, hut, hut, here we go. Christ can help me do this too right? We're going to play football. Put it on our little band-aids. Now there's nothing wrong with, with leaning into him for your strength, but that's kind of, that takes that verse out of context and what it was written to and its purpose. And so this is exactly what's happened here, I think. I think there's a verse, there's a misunderstanding that's happened here. First Corinthians 10, 13, it says, God is faithful. Now I would love to just stop right there, do a little mic drop and go, that's great. God is faithful. That's a good place to hang out, isn't it? I could just I could just worship him all day long based on those verses because God is faithful. When I am not, God is faithful. It's a good place to be. But the verse continues on and it says, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. See, somebody has taken that verse and said, Well, he won't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. He won't give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not true. See, the, the temptation is the temptation to what? To sin. If, you were, if God allowed you to be tempted beyond what you could handle regarding sin, then when you sin, you could just blame, well, I had too much. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, what you can handle. The verse continues on and says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. So it's not that he won't give you more than you can handle. He won't give you more temptation than you can handle. And so we've kind of taken that verse out of context and applied it wrong. And what happens is we tell people, When they're going through difficult things that God won't give you more than you can handle. And what that causes us to do is go, all right, that becomes part of our belief system. And then we begin to bear up underneath of that thing. And that thing can be the heaviest thing possible. And what does it do? It just breaks us. It just destroys us. Because we weren't actually meant to handle that thing on our own. We weren't actually meant to go through that because God wouldn't give you something you couldn't handle. You couldn't handle. Well, that's not true. God Never said that. In fact, when we look through the Bible at some of the heroes of our faith, we look at, look, look at a guy like Gideon. The story of Gideon, he says, I am the, the, the weakest. My clan is the smallest. I've got no business being the guy that you are tapping to lead an army. Gideon felt overwhelmed by what God called him to do, his circumstances and his situation. Look at a guy like uh, um, Moses. Moses was overwhelmed by his leadership, the stuff that he had to do to lead these people because they were whining and complaining on a regular basis. He cried, I need help. I don't know what to do. Or even Esther. Esther was overwhelmed by the fact that a guy was getting ready to obliterate her people, wipe out the Jews from off the face of the earth, and she's overwhelmed because she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to even get an audience with the king or even King David. King David is a guy who was a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect by any means. His own sin caught up to him, and he felt overwhelmed by the mistakes from his past. And he writes, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Look, David didn't feel like he had what it took to handle it. He didn't feel like like he could bear up underneath of that. Even Jesus Jesus, when faced with heading to the cross, wound up in the Garden of Gethsemane and was praying. What was he praying? Hey, if there's any way you can let this cup pass, let's, like, let it go. Take it away from me. Let your will be done, but just know. He was stressing out by what he was sent here to the earth to accomplish. It was heavy. In fact, the verse says, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is stressed out about this so much that he's sweating drops of blood. God will allow you to have more than you can handle. And if you're here today and you're feeling overwhelmed with what you have to handle, I'd like to tell you why God would allow you to have more than you can handle in your life. Because there's gotta be an answer, right? There's gotta be a purpose and why he would give you too much. The first reason, there's two simple reasons why he would give you more. The first reason is because I believe he wants you to learn to depend on his presence. If you're taking notes, that's the first one. He wants you to learn to depend on his presence. Being perfectly honest with you, when things are going well in your life, what are you, you're high on the hog and everything's going great, you got the girl, you got the job, you got the money, you got everything going on, are you really calling out and crying out to God? It's really easy to forget him, right? It's really easy when things are going well to remember to pray or to read your Bible. It's very easy to disconnect from that because you don't need him for anything. And I think, I think when, we have, when things are going well, people tend to forget about God. But when things get rocky, dear Lord, do they call on him, right? You got a little kid riding a bike down the road, and he's doing really well, and he starts to take a tumble. What's the first thing out of your mouth? Oh, Jesus! Like, Oh, God! You start screaming out. Even unbelievers do that. They call on God, right? I remember I had this job before. So I, I, was, I was employed working in dentistry. And, and I, I left that career to plant a church when I didn't have a job to go to. It's not really smart, but we were following the Holy Spirit. We did what he told us to do. And I left that job. And so I said, Lord, I need to have a job in the interim until we launch the church. And so I found a job here in Reynoldsburg and working for an IT company. And I never should have got that job. Like, really, this is totally a God thing. I didn't belong there. I wasn't really smart enough to be there. But somehow I passed the test and and answered all their questions right. And I wound up with a group of guys that I love. They were really, really great. But they were all very, very prickly when they found out that I was going to pastor a church. And when I mean prickly, I mean like they they were like, all right. You know, I don't want to. You're going to judge me. You're going to preach at me. Like, look, that's cool that you're doing that. We can respect that. But we don't want anything to do with that, right? And so I had a whole group of people who had either at some point in time had walked with Christ and turned away or had never known him because they met goofy Christians and didn't want anything to do with them, right? Or they were atheists and completely the idea of God was not anything that they were going to engage with. So I had the challenge of loving on these guys. I'd pray every day, like, God, how do I reach people that are so, like, just don't want anything to do with you? He told me, he said, you, he said just, just go around and pray for them. When you're there late at night and you're the only one in the office, just go, go to their cube. Put your hand on their cube and pray for them. Nothing crazy. Don't, do any, don't touch any of their stuff. Just put your hand there and pray. And I prayed that they would encounter the love of God in very real ways. One guy in particular who was really prickly, who kind of pushed me away on a regular basis when it came to conversations about God. And I could tell that he was hurt and that he was broken. But he was adamant that he didn't want anything to do with it. When his grandfather passed away, guess who he called? He called me. Why? Because when trouble hits, even when you're, you're like, nope, don't want anything to do with it, nope, don't want anything to do with it, when your life takes a turn in a direction that you can't have any control over it and you're broken, what do you do? You turn, you turn to God. He said, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for my grandfather. I was thankful for that opportunity. But that's what happens when when it, it, everything goes bad. And it's amazing how when life gets difficult, we reach out for God. And so I think God allows us oftentimes to experience things that we can't handle so that we learn to depend on his presence. Jonah's a guy in the Bible who was given a task to do. He was sent to preach to, to the people of Nineveh and tell them, hey, destruction is coming. And Jonah's like, I'm not going. I don't want it. And he rebelled. Just like when, uh, when we rebel in our lives, when we rebel against God, his life begins to spin out of control. He winds up on a ship in the middle of the, of the, of the uh, sea, and there's a, a storm, and they're losing everything on the ship. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and they cast lots, and it lands on Jonah. They're like, dude, what's up? What, what do you know? And he's like, well, I'm in rebellion. If you just throw me over, then the waves will come, and everything will be just fine. So they said, okay, done, and they toss Jonah over, and you know the story from there. from there. Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. He gets swallowed by a whale. And it's in the middle of this that we pick up Jonah. What he says in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, In my distress, I called out to the Lord. Look, he didn't say in my success. When I was on the mountaintop, when everything was going really well, he says, In my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. Look, I don't know if you've ever Been swallowed by a fish or had any appendage or finger ever in the mouth of an animal, but that is an oh God moment, you know what I'm saying? And this is Jonah fully immersed and swallowed by a whale, and he remembers God and he prays for him. I don't think I would have any difficulty remembering to call out to God in that moment, do you? Honestly. So in his distress, he calls out to God, and I think this is what happens to us. When life gets hard, we start looking around and taking inventory and going, Where is God? Where is he? Why is he allowing this to happen? Why is, why is this happening to me right now? If he's so good, why let it happen? Or well, because of what I'm going through, God must not be with me. And if he was so powerful, why isn't he changing my circumstances and my situation? This is what happens to us when things get bad. We start to say these things. But let me, let me challenge you and encourage you with this. Never let the presence of a storm in your life cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. You cannot begin to believe that because of what you're going through, God is not with you. The wind will blow, the waves will crash in on you, but God will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. You can't let it cause you to doubt him. What you need to do is call on him in the middle of those waves in Psalms 1 and 45, it says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of a storm. And the thing you haven't done is called on him. The thing you haven't done is reached out to him. And that's all you need to do. He is a moment away from you. He has never left you. He would never leave you. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? So you'd recognize who he is and how close he is to you in those times. Personally, if I, I've experienced this in my own life. When I graduated high school, I, I just after graduating high school, I'd walked with Christ my entire life. And after graduating high school, there was a, there was a, a, a time where I, I became offended at some leadership in the church. And I decided to walk away. And I said, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with you, God. And, and so I kicked it all to the side. Morals, all the, all the standards of life that I had, I just, I just threw them away. I said, if I'm not going to live for him, I'm going to live I'm going to live like the rest of the world does. I'm going to enjoy what they enjoy. I'm going to start drinking. I'm going to go to strip clubs. I'm going to go deeper in pornography. I'm going to start having sex before I'm married. I, and I did, and I got a girl pregnant. And then, you know, we found out we were having twins, and then I married her. And then a year later, we were divorced. And through all that, I, I, I messed myself up financially because I wasn't disciplined there, and I lost everything. My car was repossessed. I've gone through bankruptcy I've I've run the gamut. I've been in some bad places, and all because of the decisions that I made. I'm not here to blame anybody else. Those were all the decisions that I made. And I wound up in a very, very bad, a dark place, a place that I felt isolated. I felt completely alone. I felt like God had left my side, and I didn't know how to get back. I didn't know how to make things right. But it took just a moment. It took just a moment of turning to him, and all was forgiven. All was done. In a moment of repentance, he received me back. My heart was full of joy. Yes, everything was still pretty crappy, and I've spent many, many years rebuilding my life that I threw out the window. But God never left me. In fact, I would say that in that time, in that they call that the mountaintop or the valley experience, right? The mountaintop's when everything's going well, and the valley experience is when everything's going bad. And I would say that in that valley experience, when I felt really far, when I felt alone, when I felt the most broken is when I felt him and his presence the most in my life. That's when I knew his love. That's when I experienced it. And I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world because it shaped who I am today. No matter what I face, I know that he is not going to leave me. I have faced worse. And even if worse is still yet to come, I know that he won't leave me. I know that he'll never forsake me. He's been there with me. And I wouldn't trade those times in the valley with Jesus for a mountaintop experience without him. I just just wouldn't. And life is full of valley and mountaintop experiences. And someone here needs to hear this. You're in the middle of your valley experience. Things are, are pretty rough for you right now. But you need to call out to him. You need to experience his presence in your life. You need to engage with that. The reason you're going through this may be to teach you to depend on his presence because he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. The second reason that he'll give you more than you can handle is so that you learn to experience his power. So that you experience his power. Look, we need his power in our lives, and too many of us were living this life alone. We were not intended to do this on our own. We were never intended to face all that we have to face by ourselves with our own strength. That's not what God intended for us. I remember uh, being a kid. Man, I, I, had, I had an awesome time growing up uh, being a kid when we'd go on road trips. Because uh, we were at a time where there was no electronics. <laughs> and some of you grew up in the same time period I did or maybe even before I did. But we, we had a great time on our road trips. We didn't have electronics. We had them a little little a little few years later. We got the Game Boys, and I, I finally had one of those. But as a little kid, our 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 fun time was... Riding in my dad's Chevy Citation hatchback, baby. You know what I'm talking about. Big old glass window. Laying in the back. There wasn't nothing there. No seatbelts either. Just looking up at the sky and counting the trees as they go by. We played gotcha last in the silent game. Who could be quietest the longest? We'd hit each other and draw on the seats and play tic-tac-toe. And baby, that's how we kept ourselves entertained on road trips. And parents nowadays, you guys have got it easy. Your kids have got an iPad, an iPhone, and a DVD player in the back of every seat. Every single seat has them, and there's even one up front, so that when you're driving, you can be watching the same thing that the kids watching, even though it's the same old Disney movie that they've watched over and over and over again, and you know all the lines to it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's what, that's the world we live in now. Easily, easily entertained for road trips. Well, one such road trip, even as a parent, I, I've had it easy, my my son and I Trent decided to go on a road trip and he had one of those portable DVD players. He was just a little kid in one of those booster seats, so he probably probably six or five or six years old. And it was an overnight trip and we were driving up the night before and uh, and I put on a movie for Trent. I think he was watching the wiggles or something. Get ready to wiggle. And wiggle. Oh. Y'all y'all didn't know about nothing about the wiggles, huh? Anyway, so he's back there watching this stuff and I'm driving. And he calls out, he's like, hey, Dad. You know, he's just sitting right here, I can see him. He says, hey, Dad. He said, I can't hold this DVD player anymore. And I said, yes, you can, boy, you'll be fine. Just hold, just hold it there. Another 20, 30 minutes goes by. Dad, I, I can't hold this DVD player anymore. Boy, you don't have to hold it, just let it sit on your lap. You want to keep watching that show? Yeah. Well, then you need to hold the DVD player. Well, you want me to do it? You want me to hold it while I'm driving? No, I got it. So he leaves it sit on his lap. Another 20 minutes, we were driving about three hours away. Another 20, 30 minutes, go, Dad, this, I, I can't hold this anymore. Trent, you're going to hold that. You wanted it. You're going to keep it on your lap. You're not putting it down on the floor. You're not sitting it next to you. You're going to hold that. You ask for it, and that's what you're doing. You're going to hold it until we get there. You understand me? Yes, sir. We get there, and he didn't communicate what the issue was. He couldn't hold it anymore because the DVD player, the venting on it, wasn't working. In other words, it has a fan. That fan had somehow shut off, and the DVD player was hot. It was burning his little legs. Don't judge me. (laughs) It was burning his little legs. He was sitting there, and it was hot. When I touched his legs, after lifting the DVD player off, it was hot to the touch. Now, he's got no burn marks. He's fine today, at least I think, (laughs) but my poor kid I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me it was hot? I told you I couldn't hold it anymore, Dad. I'm like, I hugged him. I'm so sorry. I'll give you anything you want. I'm so sorry. We will go into the gift store and I'll buy you anything you want. Within reason. But I I think a lot of you are like my boy Trent. I think a lot of you are underneath a lot of stuff that you can't handle right now. It's burning you. It's too heavy for you. It's too much. And you're calling out for help, and you got people around you just like me when I was looking at my boys saying, You can hold that. There's people telling you, God won't give you more than you can handle. And you're bearing up underneath of this in your own strength. You're gritting your teeth. You're holding on as hard as you can to something that is burning you, and you were not meant to hold it. You were not meant to do it on your own. You're holding on to it for too long. Because you've been programmed to believe a lie. God won't give me more than I can handle. It's not true. We need to depend on God's power in our lives. A perfect example of this, in the Bible, there's a guy named the Apostle Paul. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul is a guy who was was converted to Christ. He was a a very intelligent guy. He was high up in the Pharisees, which was a a sect of the religious leaders of the day. He was well-respected. He was persecuting the Christians, and he was converted to Christianity. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. He also uh, evangelized or preached Jesus to all the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. He has that reputation. This is Paul. And Paul, when we go to, into uh, 2 Corinthians 12, we see that Paul is praying to God because he's got a thorn in his flesh. Now, I, it's not an actual physical thorn that he can't pull out. It is something that is just bugging him. If you've ever had a thorn up underneath your skin, you know what I'm talking about. It just irritates you, right? It festers. It can get infected. It's just a, a, a pain. And the Bible says that Paul has this thorn that he prayed about three times. Now, it's not like, dear Lord Jesus, remove this from my life. Thank you. Amen. And he prayed that three times. What it's referring to is that he spent three specific seasons in his life praying, Weeks of praying and asking God, take care of this. Change this circumstance in my life. Whatever it was, we're not even sure what it was. Uh, theologians and scholars believe that it, was, that it was his eyesight because he really loved to read and he liked to educate himself. We believe that it was his eyesight that was failing him. But we don't know for sure. It doesn't really matter. Because a thorn in the flesh is a thorn in the flesh. And I would say that, that if anybody deserved to have this thorn removed all throughout the Bible, it probably would have been Paul. It would have been Paul. If anybody deserved it, right? Because he had faith, Paul saw people healed. He believed God could do it. He probably deserved it. If anybody deserved it, this is Paul. And yet, God didn't change his circumstances. He left it intact. He left that thorn in his flesh. God could have delivered Paul. Some of you have your own thorns in your life. Maybe it's chronic headaches. I know I suffer from chronic headaches. And I hate that. And I've prayed often, Lord, please... Take these away from me. I don't want to deal with these migraines anymore. They're crippling. I don't, I don't want to experience this. Or maybe you've got a child that is battling with cancer. It's crippling. So, others of you, you're fighting to get ahead on your bills. Just one month is all I want to be ahead. Just let me get ahead a little bit. Or maybe your marriage, or turn my kid back to you, God. We've all got a thorn in our side that we pray about, it. and God seems to not answer us, He seems to not hear us. Whatever it is, he leaves it intact. You know he can, but he doesn't, and you're confused, why? Why would you give me more than I can handle? Well, God answers Paul when he's praying. He says, but he said to me, and this is Paul writing, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, for my power, is made perfect in weakness. Paul realizes that when he's weak, God's strong. God says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. When you can't do it, guess what? I can. Lean into me. Trust me. Put your hope in me. Wait on me. I can handle this for you. You don't have to handle it, Paul. When you're weak, I'm strong. And look at Paul's crazy response to this. Now let me tell you something. If you're not a Christ follower here today, none of this makes any sense to you. Because you're going to try to do this on your own minus God. But it doesn't work that way. It is only with God that when you are weak, then you are strong. Period. And Paul decides to, he gets excited about it. And he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. He gets excited He gets excited. Who's going to boast about their weaknesses? I don't know about you, but when I go to job interviews, they ask me for my strengths. And I can give you a long list, and then they go, what are your weaknesses? And you're like, um, don't really have any. Obviously, I'm dishonest, so that's a weakness. (laughs) Nobody likes to talk about their weaknesses, and Paul says, I'm going to boast about them. I'm going to brag. Here's my list of weaknesses. Why? So that God's power can be made perfect in me. His strength can be made perfect in me. He says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Now, Paul's getting ready to give us a list of things he delights in. Now, I don't know if you've ever delighted in something before, but like, I delight in my morning cup of coffee. That first cup of coffee is warm and savory and brown, and it's just, it's life-giving and attitude-correcting. I delight in my first cup of coffee, okay? And Paul's saying, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults. Here's a guy who is leading a large group of people to persecute the Christians, and he turns his back on them, and now they're insulting him publicly. I delight in my insults. I delight in hardships and persecutions. What did he endure? What kind of persecutions? Here's Paul. He was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten regularly. Here's a guy who can't even go into a city that he loves because they're waiting on him. They're going to kill him. And he knows that the only way out is to appeal to Caesar, and he knows he's going to die if he does it. The Holy Spirit tells him, you're going to die. This is a guy who's enduring some, some junk. He says, I delight in them, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. He understood the switch. He understood that weakness is okay. I don't have to handle this. I don't have to hold this. This thing that's too heavy for me, the thing that I can't handle, I can tap into the power of God. The same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead is alive in him and is alive in you and is alive in me. He says, I can tap into that power. And when I tap into that power, I can do all things through Christ. You know, for me personally, I I preach every Sunday and I preach twice on a Sunday. And I don't always feel like preaching can I be honest without upsetting anybody in here? I don't always feel like getting up here and, and, and sharing. I don't always feel like being transparent and telling you where I struggle. I don't always feel like on a Sunday morning where I'm supposed to talk about relationships, marriage relationships, talking about it because it's likely that I just got in a fight with my wife on my way here, you know what I'm saying? Or if I'm going to talk about parenting that I've been a big failure that week or even that day or that hour. Or to share about anything at all. There's just days that I don't feel like getting up here. There's some Sundays that I'm sick. You won't know it, but last Sunday I was really sick. I'd been sick all week long, and all weekend long I was dealing with, well, we'll call it bubble gut. And I stood right back there by my office door, so that I could run into the, use the restroom as often as I needed to during worship. And then I wore dark jeans just in case anything happened on the stage. Y'all wouldn't know. <laughs> just being real with you here. I have never missed a Sunday morning due to being sick except once. So I guess I can't say never. I've only missed once. And I missed it because I actually couldn't speak, but I've come in here with migraines. I've come in here sick. I, I, I don't always feel physically like being up here to preach. There's one week in particular I came in. I had a full-on panic attack. And y'all don't know it because I was in the back room. We were over at Cotners, And I called Tim over to me. I said, Tim, I need your help. I don't know what's going on. Tear and I'm like, get hurt, talk. Like I was full on freaking out before I got up to preach. And I have no idea why. I, I said, I can't get up and do it today. And Tim was being Tim. He laughed at me. <laughs> he laughed and he said, now I understand why I'm here. And he spoke life into me that day and prayed with me. And he said, you get up there and you tell him you don't feel like being up there. And that was one of the greatest Sundays ever. This past Sunday, when I was sick all, all week long, my sermon prep was, <sighs> hate to say it was like this, but it was in the toilet. <laughs> and I didn't feel strong about coming up here and delivering a message. I was sick that day. And you know what happened? I got home and my wife said, that was one of the best sermons you've ever preached. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Why? Something I've learned over the years. When you're weak, he's strong. Yeah has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with his power that is available to you if you're willing to lean into him. I stood in the back of the room and said, God, I'm going to need your grace to preach today. I pray that every Sunday. Grant me your grace that I may preach your word today. Because I need that. His grace is sufficient for me. When I don't feel like I can share. Sufficient. I'd liken it to this, like I've learned that when you're on that, that, that sea and things get difficult, when the waves start rocking and the wind starts blowing, we're out there and we're rowing. We're rowing to get through it, we're rowing to get to shore. But I've learned that you don't have to row. Sometimes you can just put down the sail and let the wind of the Spirit blow you through whatever it is that you're facing. You say, Aaron, that sounds weird. No, I'm just meaning you're relying on, on a power that's greater than you. You can rely on the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here today and you're rowing. You're fighting with everything you've got. I can handle this. I can do it. And you may be able to do it for some time. You may be really great at rowing through the storm, but you're exhausted. You're wore out from fighting. I'm here to tell you that God is ready for you just to turn to him. Put down that sail and let him get you through it. Let his strength get you through the storm. To so let his strength be what brings you through. He's waiting on you to tap into that power, and you need to learn to do that. You need to learn to say that when I'm weak, then I'm strong, that God can still get done things through you even when you can't because he is able. God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not true. God won't give you more than he can handle. That's the truth we need to tap into. So if you're currently in the boat, in the middle of the storm and you're rowing, let your sail down. Rely on his power. The reason you're holding on and relying on your power is because you believe God won't give you more than you can handle, and you need to change that today. You need to understand it's not yours to hold on to. You need to let go, and you need to let God handle it to rest in his strength. You were created to need him and his power in your life. You were created for that. Tap into it. In this life, there's going to be more than you can handle If you decide to be a foster parent, there's going to be more than you can handle. If you decide to be a parent at all, there's going to be more than you can handle. If you're single and dating, there's going to be more than you can handle. When you move out from your parents' house and you start getting entangled with bills, there's going to be more than you can handle. There'll be disease and sickness come your way, and there's going to be more than you can handle. If you're a man married to a woman, There's going to be more than you can handle. And definitely, if you're a woman married to a man, there's going to be so much more than you can handle. But you were not created to handle this life on your own. Instead of saying, I will be strong, how about you say, I can be weak. It's okay. I can, I can be weak. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I can tap into a, a power That is greater than me. Look, let me tell you that until God is all you have, you'll never realize that He's all you ever need. Until He's all you have, you don't realize that He's all you ever need. And I don't know who it is, but you're here today and you feel like God has given you more than you can handle. And you've asked Him to change it, and He hasn't, and you've been asking why, and you don't understand. But the answer may be so that you can get to know His presence in your life. The answer to why he's given you more than you can handle is because during that time, you'll know him better. You'll grow closer to him in that valley experience than you will on the mountaintop. And when you delight in your weakness, delight in it. Take joy, take heart, be encouraged. Delight in your weakness. His strength is made perfect. Some of us need to stop rowing today. We need to let the wind of the Spirit be exactly what you need because his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Why would God give you more than you can handle? Because he wants to reveal his presence to you. And he wants to give you his supernatural power so that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Let's pray today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to speak to the people in this room, those of you who are maybe, maybe you were like me. I was far from God and maybe today you're far from God. Either because you We're close to him at one point in time, or maybe you've never said, Jesus be Lord of my life. Wherever you're at, you're far from God. You're just like me, how I was. You feel like in your rebellion and your sin against God that it's too much, especially if you'd walked with him before, like me. You feel like I can't go back. I spit in his face. feel like you can't make things right, you feel like you can't clean yourself up, like you can't get free from your addictions, you can't take back the things that you've done or said against others and him. But for me, it wasn't until I was in a state of being overwhelmed by my guilt and my mistakes that I realized I couldn't do it alone anymore. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you realize I can't do this alone anymore. For me, I turned to him. I said, forgive me. I've walked far from you. I repented. I turned away from my way. And it wasn't me who cleaned me up, it was him who cleaned me up. It wasn't me who righted the wrongs, it was him who righted them in me. Today, if that's you, if you can identify with my story and you say, Aaron, that's where I'm at right now. I'm broken, I'm lost, I'm addicted, I'm hurting. I'm under more more than I can bear right now. If you would like to discover that he's waiting for you, wants to reveal himself to you, wants to reveal his power to you, if you want to turn to him right now, this is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you through it. And if you'd say, Aaron, I want to be included in that prayer. Today, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Nobody's looking around. I just want to know that you're here so that I can celebrate that with you, that you would say yes to Jesus in this moment. If that's you, would you put your hand up in the air and just say, that's me, Aaron. Count me out on that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, that's me. Thank you. I'm gonna pray a prayer and all you need to do is mean it. You can pray it out loud or just say it in your heart, but, but you need to mean it. It's so simple. It's a turning to him. Say these words, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you came and you died and rose from the dead to forgive a sinner like me. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Let me know your presence in my life. Let me experience your power in my life. Help me handle the things that I cannot handle on my own. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. Be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Now I pray for everybody underneath the sound of my voice, Father. I lift up this church to you. I include me in this. Lord, in the valley experiences, we need to know you. This is our opportunity to grow close to you in ways that we can't even begin to understand. So Father, I pray for everybody in a valley experience right now. Maybe you're a single mother working to make the ends meet. Maybe you're dealing with a difficult medical situation in your life or your relationships are broken. I'm not sure what it is, but where you are. But Lord, I pray that in this valley experience, God, that they would come to know your presence. Lord, that when they feel overwhelmed, when we feel like there's something we're facing that we can't handle, God, that we would know you're with us knowing that you're with us means that we can do more than we've ever done before. We can do it confidently. We can face things that we've never been able to face on our own. Remind us of your presence. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. And reveal your power to us, God. Give us the strength. Let us rejoice in our weakness because that is when you are at work. God, this is an incredible work that I'm asking you to do. We need you so much. When we're overwhelmed, help us to remember We may have more than we can handle, but there is not more than you can handle. May we turn to you, experience your presence and power. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.